Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. And we're going to be today in Matthew chapter 5. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew 5, and if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. My Bible boys are loaded up, ready to go. Just raise your hand and they'll bring a Bible to you, which you're welcome to keep. Or put back on the shelf on the way out, whatever you want to do, but you're welcome to keep that. Also, there's tapes and CDs of the service. Uh, You're welcome to those just on the way out. Just grab those, and they're on the back table there. And if you want, you can go on the podcast and get the service on the podcast also. But today, the title is Christmas Peace. And as you know, I don't think I have to tell anybody this, a lot of times Christmas is not very peaceful. Uh, It could be a very, very stressful time. Just trying to get all the presents and pay for all those presents and Christmas cards and cookies and stringing popcorn. That's Kim's least favorite. Uh, you know, I, I, the kids are begging to string the popcorn. Anybody still string popcorn? It's kind of out of out of vogue now, but it's big in our house, and I grew up doing it. Kim just doesn't like all the bloody fingers and stuff. You know, you can imagine, you know, all those kids with needles and thread. So <clears throat> that's what it's very stressful. Um, decorations, putting them up, keeping them up. Uh, can be a, not a very peaceful time. I don't, I'm not telling you anything. And then the unexpected can happen too, unexpected. This the couple, let's see, what was it? It's Tuesday night, we're all sitting around having, watching a Christmas movie and enjoying it, and we heard this big crash. The Christmas tree fell over. Uh, never happened to us before. And Kim said to me, she goes, is it actually tie? Because we usually tie it with something. I look pretty sturdy, and we just got busy. We just forgot about it, and crash. And, and there was broken glass, all these glass balls, you know, broken everything, water. It was crazy. And the girls were worried that the cat was under the tree because they thought the cat tipped it over, and I was just worried about my train. So that got stressful. We were worried about different things, you know. So anyway, it, uh, stress, unexpected. In fact, one of the, the unexpected causes a lot of stress. In fact, one of the main stresses, uh, stressor points of Christmas are unexpected guests, or any guest, for that matter, guests, because uh, the guests come in, and even if you're very good friends with somebody, if you stay together for a couple of days, it can get a little stressful, right? Benjamin Franklin, right? Fish and guests stink after three days, right? And uh, that was his saying. But, but also family, when you get all the family together, especially if they end up staying overnight and staying together, and, you know, all the dysfunction of all those years, you know, brothers and sisters, you know, we, we never quite get over all that, right? It always comes out again during Christmas time, and it can be a very, very, un, uh, very unpeaceful time. So Matthew 5, 9 comes just in time for this, because it's blessed are the peacemakers. <laughs> so perfect timing for this. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been talking about the B attitudes and, and the steps. Remember the different steps? We've been talking about the steps to a close relationship with God and true happiness. And the first four steps we looked at were more vertical. It had to do with our relationship with God. But the next five, we, when we're on the seventh one today, are the horizontal. The first four stress our relationship with God, but after that gets good, then the idea is, is working on our relationship with other people. And these are steps to God's peace, God's happiness. And the seventh one we're on today, if you want to pull that up there for me, guys. The escalator. Notice one escalator is going up, 
and one is going down. And if you're listening to this on the CD, it's on our podcast. But the, the, Jesus is giving us nine steps to being blessed or true happiness. And not the happiness that's external, depending on external circumstances, but the happiness that's internal, that's dependent upon our relationship with God and what's going on in our heart. And we've been going on these steps, and the first one was poor in spirit, and then mourning, and meek, and hung, hungry for a right relationship with God, and mercy, and a pure heart, and today peacemakers, and that's heading up. And as you can see, there's also a down escalator, because the opposite is what the world encourages, and that takes us far from happiness and far from God. It takes us into to misery, and each one of those has a, a, a different one. In fact, for peacekeepers, we had today the opposite is troublemakers, right? uh, unnecessary troublemakers, and that's the the other side. But the idea here is that we have made peace with God, and now because we have made peace with God, now hopefully we will help other people find peace in Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word and how convicting these, just these few verses are. Just if we could just live these, these 12 verses here, the dramatic impact that that would make in our life. But we need your mercy and grace to, to, to do this, to even want to do it, to even want to live this way. We need your mercy and grace and pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And once again, blessed, the closest word we have is, is happiness, but really deeper than that, it's supernatural joy. The supernatural joy that's not touched by external circumstances. It's based only on a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're happy, we're going to see this happy because we're bringing God's peace. First of all, we have God's peace, but we're also bringing God's peace to those living troubled lives. So that brings us that blessedness. And he says the peacemakers, the peacemakers. We've talked about the effects of sin, and, and there's no place that the effect of sin is seen more clearly, more visibly, that we experience more than in the lack of peaceful relationships, is there? It starts with our families. You know, most families, there's plenty of conflict. Some of you may have had plenty in the car ride on the way over here today. You know, there's just, it's just an ongoing effect of the fall is the conflict that, that our families experience. <clears throat> churches, too. Churches, lots of conflict. You've probably been part of a church split. If you haven't, you will be hopefully, you, not hopefully, you will be someday, but I was going to say hopefully it won't be here, right? You know, hopefully it won't be here. But most people have been part of a church split at some time. It's very, very, very painful. I hope you don't experience that here. Uh, it's, but it's in every relationship. If you're on a sports team, or if your kids are on a team, or if you're part of a board of some kind, or a, or a committee, or if you, where you work, everywhere, wherever, doesn't matter. If you work, unless you work alone, wherever you work, there's going to be lots of conflict. It's something that we just experience. In the United States, the politics, although now the election coming up, and, and just all the conflict and things being said back and forth between the parties and within the parties, and, and there's just so much division. And then you look at the world, forget our country, look at the world and the constant upheaval going on, you know, the just lack of peace anywhere. There, the, the effect of, of sin is clearly seen. Back when the League of Nations, after World War I, when the League of Nations was started, they remember the, the motto was, never again. Never again will there be a world war. 
Well, that lasted almost 20 years. And then we had another war, and then they tried the UN was the next step. And once again, the whole idea of the UN was we're going to do away with war. We're going to stop war. But do you realize there hasn't been a one single day since 1945 when the UN started, not one single day that there hasn't been a war going on somewhere in the world. It's been war constant. And I'm going to make a prediction, an amazing prediction. There will always be war. <laughs> there will always be war going on in the world. It's, it's, it's a given because only Jesus Christ can bring true peace. We're going to see that he's the one who's going to bring that peace. Next week, I'm going to focus on that a little more. But only Jesus Christ can bring true peace, and only we as Christians can bring true peace, can be true peacemakers because... Only Jesus can accomplish this. We can't do it in the flesh. Only Jesus Christ in and through us can accomplish true peacemaking. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3 is a great passage on what, what we're encouraged to live like. And Ephesians 4, 1 to 3 says, As prisoners for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And that's our, that's our goal. That's, that's Christ's goal for the body of Christ. That's his goal for, for, for the church family. That we would have this humility and gentleness and patience. These are all fruit of the Spirit, remember? Uh, and we remember back when we did the book of Ephesians, we really focused on this. Bearing with each other in love, making every effort to keep unity through the bond of peace, and this is a this is a whole different way of living than than we would in the flesh or than the world would want to live. Right? It, this is where we look out for the good of others. The world says look out for look out, looking out for number one, but this is looking out for the good of other people. It's a whole different perspective, not self interest, but other people's interest. And and the whole goal is to be a reconciler, helping to to reconcile. And that goes for the ch- our church, that goes for the body of Christ, that goes for the families that we're part of, for every relationship, whomever we come into contact with. That's, that's God's goal for us, is to be peacemakers there. Now, I want to say this, though, before I get too far into this. And that this is, we have to be careful because we're not talking about false peace. False peace. The false peace is that, uh, false peace is peace at all costs. No matter what the cost. Remember back when um, World War II just getting started, Hitler, they appeased him. I think it was Chamberlain from England appeased him. No matter what he wanted, gave him peace. That's peace at all costs, and, and that's not biblical peace. It's also not, it's also not, we don't, it's also not because we're enabling. Because some people hate conflict. Well, we all should hate conflict, but some people really don't like conflict, avoid it at all costs. So whatever it takes, they avoid conflict. That's also not what biblical peacemaking is all about because sometimes there has to be conflict if it's for the right reason. It's not just because we're just like enabling things to, to be the wrong way. It, 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 the world's version of peace is very different from God's version. And this is a safeguard that we always have to put in place when we talk about peace because that, there's this whole movement out there today, peace, 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 but, but it's really a false peace. It's, the world's version is, I think looked at in this way, and it's tolerance redefined. Real tolerance means that you have a difference of opinion with someone, but you still put up with that person, and you still respect that person, even though you have a different opinion. That's what true tolerance is. But the world's false peace and false tolerance is that 
it's, it's a whole different thing that you have to, uh, that, well, let me just start this way. Everything goes. Anything, everything goes. There's no such thing as right and wrong, and you should never criticize anybody for anything they do, because that's judging. And, and if you criticize anything, any kind of behavior, you, you are fighting against peace. Okay? That's a false peace. And people who follow that are false peacemakers. I'll give you, give you, show you what I'm talking about. In James 3, in James 3.17, it says this. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving. First pure, then peace-loving. That's the starting point, is purity. Also, if you look here at Matthew, back to Matthew chapter 5, just before we saw, blessed are the peacemakers, the verse right before that was, blessed are the pure in heart. Pure in heart led into peacemaking. And, and that's very important to understand that God's peace also includes purity. That's, that's first. We should always avoid unnecessary conflict as Christians. We should avoid it, but not at the expense of God's holiness or truth. You see the difference there? The world's peace is, you know, peace, peace, peace. But, but God's peace is foundation is on truth and holiness is based on purity and that's a very very important thing we see this in churches a lot of they're called mainline churches now because they've been around mainline denominations mainline churches they've been around for a long time and some of these churches were at one time bible believing gospel preaching established by some godly godly men unbelievable denominations at one time but they've they've gotten away from the bible and the true gospel they don't even believe the gospel anymore and and they just preach this whole peace thing that i'm talking about it's a false peace and they are discussing you read the paper Read the news. They are discussing things in their denominations that, should we allow this or allow that? They are discussing things across the board. I'm not talking about one thing, but ten different things they're discussing that shouldn't even be on the table for discussion. Because Bible, the Bible is very clear. But, they're, but, they, but I know some people in these denominations that are pastors, and they say, I go to these, these conferences, and we start, and I say, this isn't right. Jesus said, no, we can't okay this. And then they say, but for the sake of peace, you have to go along with this. You have to stop causing conflict. And, and see, that's a false peace. That's a false peace. And I've been in churches before where, where the whole goal was to get bigger. And as a result of that, if there was somebody in the church who was very divisive or was living openly against God's word, openly rebellious, I'm not talking about struggling. We all struggle and we all fall. And, and you know I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about stuff that's pretty intense, living openly against God's word. And I'd be like, well, shouldn't to the leadership, shouldn't we maybe deal with this? Help, help this guy or help this family or confront it? Oh, no, no, they might leave. They might stop giving. And I'm like, I, you know, I was confused, you know, because I thought the whole point was, that wasn't the whole point. But, but that's, a, that's a false peace, see? That's trying to keep this false unity, false peace. And that's not what we're talking about. But having said that, that's off the table now. We know it's, we're talking about purity and truth and all that. But let's make sure the battles we fight are God's battles. 
Because that's an important part of being a peacemaker. We have to be in constant prayer. We have to be very watchful. We have to have a lot of self-discipline. We have to talk to other godly people before we deal with things. We should have other godly people that we talk about, talk to about these things, especially if we're naturally argumentative. Uh, no, I don't know anybody like that. Or strong personality. You know, we're naturally strong and, and we're like that. Um, it's very important that we take it all before God and say, God, is this what you want dealt with or is this just me? Or is it really necessary? Or do I really need to go make something right? Because all this, even with dealing with something, Romans twelve eighteen says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If possible. It's not always possible, is it? Because sometimes you have to confront something. But if it's possible, as far as it depends on us, once again, sometimes we try really hard with a family member or with someone. We're doing our best with that, and they don't want anything to do with it. There's nothing you can do about that. But if it's possible, as far as it depends on us, live at peace with everyone. That's, that should be our goal. That's a, that's a great verse. It's not easy to live, is it? <laughs> not easy. But Jesus says, blessed will be the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed, because they'll be called sons of God. By their father, our father will be called his children, sons, daughters, will be called children of God, but also by other people. When people see my kids, they usually recognize them. Uh, we were at the mall the other day, and Sarah was on the elevator, taking the elevator up with a couple of the kids, and someone said, are you a Wilson? And she's like, I didn't even know who the person was, you know? And, but someone recognized her. And you often they know it's a Wilson because there's lots of us. There's 15 of us all together, you know, going somewhere. So it's not hard to pick us out. But also, they tend to look the same, pretty close. You know, they all have the same look, pretty much. Uh, so people usually can pick them out. And, and also... We're real involved in the community with sports, so people see our kids play, and they all they all tend to be you know uh, athletic. Not because they're natural athletes, a lot of them, but because as a family, it's kind of our hobby. What do you do with thirteen children? You know, it's easy to play. It's hard to you know do certain things, but that's one thing I can get them all in the yard. We can have a big game, and then half the neighborhood comes, and it's a mob out there, right? Uh, but so they play a lot, so they tend to be athletic. At least they play a lot. And so people pick them out right away. You know, that's a Wilson, that's a Wilson. Well, I'm guessing anybody here who has kids, it's the same thing. People can usually pick out your kids based on their, the way they look and their behavior. And it's the same thing. There's certain characteristics of every family. But it's just the same thing with God's kids. It, it should be obvious to people that we're his children. We're sons of God. People are going to call it. That's a... That's a that's a son of God. That's a daughter of God. That's children of God. should be obvious. We should stand out. We should be different. We should be different. Not saying we're perfect. Far from perfect. My kids aren't perfect. Nobody's kids are perfect. God's children aren't perfect either. But, but we should be distinct enough that people pick us out and, and, and see that difference. And not only will other people call us God's children... But God will also call us his children. He'll claim us. And he will claim us someday. He's already claimed us. Same with us. When my kids are good, <laughs> that's my boy. You know, right? right? That's, uh, you, know, you feel good about that. You, uh, but when they're bad, 
Kim, that is that is your child. You know, that is your that is your kid. You've created that one. Yeah, she says the same to me. We have this back and forth. All right. So <clears throat> I'll stop there. But anyway, the um, <laughs> how is God speaking to us? Are we experiencing God's blessing this morning because we're bringing peace to other people who are living troubled lives? Are we, are, we bringing, are we bringing peace to others in their troubled lives? What relationship is God calling us to bring peace to? Christmas coming. <laughs> Going to see family. Lots of conflict. What, well, how has he been speaking to us about bringing that peace? Who is he talking to? Think of Home Alone. Remember Home Alone? One of our favorite Christmas movies. And Kevin. Remember Kevin? The, the guy next door, the, the guy who everybody thought was a mass murderer, the axe murderer, the guy with the shovel. And, and Kevin ends up talking him into reconciling with his family. Remember at the end of the movie? Wasn't that great when, he, when he's back with his son and grandchildren? And then on top of that, Kevin's family comes back and he's reconciled with them. Well, that's a beautiful part of the movie. It's reconciliation. Everybody's reconciling on Christmas. And it lasted about two minutes, and his older brother Bud was going to beat him up again, right? You know, but, but, but he had for a warm fuzzy there for just a little moment there. there was a, we'll take it, right? We'll take that little, little bit of peace, right? That's, that's the picture, though, of not just Christmas, but constantly God wants us to be the reconcilers and bring peace. What person is God calling us to bring peace to? So many people are hurting hurting. A lot of us are hurting, but so many are hurting, and what I keep seeing is that I'm just, especially at Christmas, we're so busy. Got to rush and get this and rush that wherever we are, and, and I'll be rushing, and, I'll, and then all of a sudden, out of a quarter mile, I'll see I rushed right by somebody, and I can see the pain in their life. I'm like, wow, I just rushed right by that person. Didn't even notice, and it's a little awkward for strangers, but, but even in our regular life with people that we see all the time, coworkers and friends and people at school, People are hurting. It isn't easy just to be so focused on what we're doing that we, we miss out on so many ministry opportunities, chances to bring peace. If we keep our eyes open, people that we can touch with the peace of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus Christ. In the most important way, and we forget this, because we get so busy or we think people don't want to hear, but we forget the most important way to help people find peace is by finding peace with God. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, we are, therefore, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors for Christ. He sent us into the world to help people make peace with God, to be reconciled with God, to help them come put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's, that's our whole purpose. And maybe you're here today and you don't have peace with God yet because you've never made peace. You don't have, we don't have peace until we make peace with God. And maybe you're there. And maybe today you realize that what we've all realized at some point, we are all enemies of God. Did you realize that? Realize that? Before we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are in rebellion to God. And, and we are in, think of if you've ever had a child who's been in rebellion. You know what I'm talking about. Your child's in rebellion, real deep rebellion. They, they 
can't stand you, and it's hard to have warm fuzzies to them, right? Because there's a total rebellion, there's a wall up, and that's a picture of every one of us. And every time we sin, every time we do something that goes against God's word, God's perfect purpose for our life, every time we do that, that is an attack, a personal attack on God our Father. In fact, in Romans 5.10, it says this. In Romans 5.10, talking about how we're enemies of God, every one of us, before we put our faith in Christ, in verse 10 it says, For if when we were God's enemies, every one of us was God's enemies. If when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We were God's enemies, and yet we, if we've put our faith in Christ, we have been reconciled to him. In fact, if we back up just a, a couple of verses, in Romans 5, 8, shows how God reconciled us. But God demonstrates, let's go back to verse 8 there. But God, uh, Romans 5, 8, I'm sorry, I said Matthew 5, 8. Romans 5, 8. There we are. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were God's enemies, when we were in rebellion, when we we hated God, we hated his word, we hated his law, when we were his enemies, that's, he loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us, to take our place. That's what he did for us, to make peace with us. K. Arthur, I know the ladies have done several studies with K. Arthur, and one of the studies you did was on Sermon on the Mount a couple years ago. And I'd like to read her book on this. And, and in her book on Sermon on the Mount, she talks about another book, called, which is Don Richardson's book called Peace Child. If you've never read the book, it's good, it's good. Uh, it's, it's a really, it's an amazing story. But Don Richardson and his wife were missionaries to the Sawi people. They were a headhunting tribe in Dutch New Guinea. And the, the, when they went as missionaries, it was very difficult to be missionaries here because the treachery was, they, they just lived by treachery. You know how we say, don't lie, tell the truth? Well, they said, tell, the, tell a lie, don't tell the truth. It was the opposite. Treachery and lying and, and murder were, were considered ideals to live by. And it was horrible. In fact, the, the, this, these tribes that he was trying to reach, they actually used for pillows human skulls for their pillows. That's what they used. That's how bad it was. And finally, he, there was so much bloodshed, so much killing. Peace seemed totally impossible. Even though he was very much loved by the tribes that he was trying to minister to, he said, I can't stay here any longer. I'm going to leave. And they panicked because they loved, this. they loved him. They considered him like a father to them. And they really wanted to keep him there. So they said, they said we will. They were panic-stricken. They, they promised, we're going to make things right tomorrow. Wait until tomorrow. The following day was a ceremony that they held that was the key to unlocking the spiritual darkness of these tribes. According to the law, there could never be peace until a peace child was given to the enemy. And the, the book talks about how the, the mother, a mother the next day was screaming and crying, saying, don't take my only son, don't take my only son, to her husband, she was screaming. And the husband was carrying his only son to the enemy's village with a crowd behind him. He gets to the enemy's village, and these are the people that had just been killing their villagers and cutting their heads off and vice versa, total enemies. 
He's carrying this little boy, hanging on to him, because he was determined to make peace at any cost. I'll read from the book here now, from Peacemaker, uh, from Peace Child. It says, the, the dad's name was Kayo. Kayo's chest was heaving with emotion. As he reached the edge of the village, the leading men of the village were massed in front of him, now expectantly eyeing the child he held in his hands. He scanned the row of enemy faces before him. Then he saw the man he had chosen, and he called out, Mehor, will you plead the words of Kamur among your people? Yes, Mehor responded. I will plead the words of Kamur among my people. Then I give you my son, and with him my name. Mehor shouted, It is enough. I will surely plead for peace between us. Suddenly, uh, this guy appears before the forefront of the crowd facing Kayo. He held aloft one of his baby sons and cried out, Kayo, will you plead the words of peace among your people? Yes, cried Kayo, holding out his hands toward this man. Then I will give you my son and with him my name. They had exchanged sons and had exchanged names. And the missionary Richardson said he didn't understand. Why is this necessary, he said to Kayo. He said to the Richardson, he said, You have been urging us to make peace. Don't you know that it's impossible to have peace without a peace child? The same goes for us, doesn't it? It's impossible for us to have peace with God without a peace child. And God the Father left heaven and brought his only son to live with us. But the difference was, he didn't just come here to live with us. He brought us him here so that we could kill him. Think about that. Knowing that we would execute him, murder him. And God allowed that so that we could have peace through the death of his son. That's how much God loves us. That's how much he wanted us to be called by his name. By giving his only son Jesus as a peace child. Have we ever accepted God's peace? God's gift? Have you ever received that gift? Have you ever accepted and taken that gift? By receiving his son. In John chapter 1 verse 12 it says... Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you ever received Jesus Christ and believed in his name? Let's pray. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you realize now that you've walked in here. When you walked in here, you walked in as an enemy of God. Without Maybe you didn't even know it, but now you realize it. You walked in here as an enemy of God. But you don't have to leave as an enemy of God. You can leave as his child, as his son, as his daughter. If you will receive his peace child. His one and only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Right where you're sitting, you can make peace with God. Just pray to him right now. He can read your thoughts. 
he can hear the prayer of your heart. Just say, God, I don't want to be your enemy anymore. I'm sorry for all the wrong I've done that, that has been atta- attacking you, your holiness, your character, your purpose. Please forgive me. I receive your son, Jesus, as my peace child. I believe in Jesus, his death on the cross for me. He died for me. I believe in him. I give my life to Jesus. If you've received Jesus and believed in him, you are, now, you are no longer God's enemy. You are now his child, his son or his daughter. You belong to him now. And he's going to treat you like his child. He's going to have a brand new relationship with you as a loving father. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you have a friend that you came with or invited you. Maybe you tell me on the way out or send me an email or call or fill out the card, put it in the box. Let's, let me know. Let somebody know so that we could be excited for you and help you to grow as a child of God. For the rest of us, and for all of us, how is God calling us to take the peace that God has given us and share that peace with someone who's hurting, with reconciliation, forgiving somebody over and over and over and over again, being a true peacemaker and Wherever God has us in our neighborhood, our job, our school, our team, our college, wherever he has us, whatever situation we're in, looking out for the good of others. During this reflective time, I'm just going to play a video to kind of watch and to pray about and to appreciate. This is something David Rodriguez put together about Christmas, but also more than Christmas, the reason Jesus came. 